Right, welcome along to another episode of the How I Caught the Wrestling Bug podcast. I'm your host, David Lovell, and delighted to say, joining me for this week's episode is someone who's never done a podcast before, so I'm absolutely honoured that he's chosen this one uh, to appear on for the very first time. Uh, Ryan Fantasia. Ryan, how's it going? This is about wrestling. I thought we were talking about the English football game today, David. <laughs> well, you we can if you want. I, I, I don't know if the people listening would actually know much about it, but yeah, you can if you want. So, uh, what do you make of the uh, first of all, great, great, uh, great accent? By the way, I'm, I'm really impressed by that. Before I mean, the I'm, game today, I would have said that Gareth Southgate is a fucking bloody muppet, but you know what? He's a fucking flipping genius. That's what happens when you got Raheem Sterling from City, the greatest team in all the lands, scoring goals left and right. Even Ukraine's Zinchenko, City boy, scoring goals. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding, that's my poor English accent. I've spent many years playing FIFA, uh, talking to myself as a kid, doing that. And when I mean kid, I was in my 20s, so there you go. <laughs> no, that's, I, I, I'm detecting a bit of uh, watching British sitcoms over the years as well, though. A little bit of that or not? Uh, a little bit, but but mostly football. Okay. <laughs> so how how did you get? Obviously, we're going to talk about wrestling, but how did you sort of get into football in the first place? You know, I never played it as a kid. I played American football, but the two thousand two World Cup, I was it was in Korea, and I was out of college. I didn't have a job, so I literally would watch soccer at night, and I'm like, man, I love this sport. And don't know why I ever bothered to play it or watch it before. And I knew I had to, like, follow a team. And I knew I couldn't be united. So, because I'm like, they win everything. I'm a Red Sox fan. It's like rooting for the Yankees in baseball. So I literally saw a, um, a game on ESPN. It was a team in sky blue jerseys, and I knew nothing about them. And my friend who's from Ireland I'm like, I told him, I'm like, that's my team. He's like, that's Manchester City. They just came back from relegation. I had no idea what relegation even was at the time. I'm like, what's that? He's like, they were basically in the minor leagues and now they're back. And I'm like, ooh, that's not good. But, you know, flash forward 20 years later and here they are. Bigger than Manchester United, I would I would say. Well, certainly have been for the last few years. I think, obviously, Man United are still the biggest team on you know on the world stage but obviously man city have had more success than them in, in recent years uh so yeah you obviously uh i mean they, they were they were nobody back in back in 2002 as you said just come back from relegation but yeah you obviously picked a good one there i did i got i got lucky and uh, that royal money did not hurt <laughs> <laughs> but of course we're here to talk about wrestling this is what the uh, yes. this is what the podcast is all about and all about how you became a fan in the first place so what is your earliest memory of, of wrestling? When, when would you have first come across wrestling? You know, my uh, wrestling in my family kind of goes back generations. It's uh, my earliest memories are, you know, my, uh, my dad talking to me about going to wrestling matches. He, uh, I'm from Boston area originally, and my dad, my grandfather grew up in Boston. My great-grandfather was, you know, came over from Italy and, and, you know, made his home in Boston. And back when my dad was younger in, like, this, you know, early 70s, Bruno San Martino was, like, it if you're an Italian-American in Boston. 
he was huge. And my dad, my grandfather, and my great-grandfather, um, who, by the way, died probably in the 80s, still thinking that wrestling was not a work at all. You tried to tell him that it was, he would he would curse you out in Italian, but you're totally full of shit, basically, which is <laughs> hilarious to think about. God bless him. But they... Um, they were they were big wrestling fans, and my dad, you know, kind of lost, you know, went to college. He had me at a young age, and kind of lost touch with it. But then I remember when I was probably man nine years old. I want to say it was uh, WrestleMania three. My dad was like bought in hook line and sinker to Hogan Andre. It was huge. And uh, he used to let me stay up for, I think it was Saturday night, you know, it wasn't Saturday night's main event, because that was way too late for a nine-year-old Ryan to be watching, but I think it was the main event that they used to have in prime time. He let me watch one of those, and then he subsequently brought me to watch WrestleMania 3 at the Boston Garden on um, uh, whatever, jeez, I can't even remember the name of what they used to, uh, what they used to, uh, closed circuit TV. That was it. It was right. closed circuit yep. TV. So that was really one of my earliest memories was going watching WrestleMania three at the Boston Garden, which had no heat, and uh, it had heat, but it hadn't. It, it wasn't too hot. It was March, but I remember that arena had no air conditioning. So if you want to do a game in the summertime, a Celtics game there, it was. It was not the the most fun environment or the most comforting at all, but it was it was a pretty cool experience to see basically a sold out arena, people watching a jumbotron at that point. We'll probably come back to that event a little bit later on, but who were some of the guys that captured your imagination when you when you first got into wrestling? Who were some of your favorites early on? Uh, early on, you know, after WrestleMania three, I kind of took a break from it. My dad did too, so it wasn't until I I got my myself first got into it right around WrestleMania five, and I was not a uh, I was a warrior guy, but I was I was not necessarily a Hogan guy. I was always a warrior guy, but for for some reason, the first guy that really uh, was like, man, this is my guy, was Brutus the Barber Beefcake. And I might be the only one on the podcast <laughs> that said Brutus the Barber Beefcake, I'm guessing, in the history of this podcast, so I'm, and I'm fine with that. But. Yeah, I think you I think you probably are. But yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, no, uh, yeah. <laughs> there, I don't know, there was, I liked him, you know, cutting the dude's hair, uh, uh, he had those crazy friggin' mesh, uh, what do you call it, the mesh tights. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a kind of an animated uh, wrestling fan. I still am to this day. My wife, you know, if there's a good match on, she'll, she can tell because I'm sitting here in my uh, in my man cave, oohing and on, getting off the couch and, you know, talking to myself. So I remember, like, when Macho King ambushed him and cut Brutus's hair, my dad had to come in and be like, whoa, 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 calm down. You're getting way too pissed about something that's going on the TV right now. And I'm like, can you believe it? He cut his hair. It's ridiculous. I was... I was uh, I was pissed about that, but Brutus, and then eventually, um, Ultimate Warrior for sure. Ultimate Warrior was was my dude. WrestleMania six was the first pay per view that I was like able to buy when I was a kid. It was the first pay per view that was uh, available to us to purchase. And I remember watching it with my friend down in our basement at the time, and 
you know, like I am now. I was just, Hogan went to drop the leg. I thought it was over. He moved out of the way, did the splash, and he won, which I totally didn't think was going to happen. So that was, a, that was a pretty fun moment, looking back at it now. And the first live event you attended, so that would have been that would have been WrestleMania three then. Uh, I mean, we saw that one in closed circuit, but the first live event that I actually went to, I didn't. Um, I didn't go to a live event until probably nineteen ninety five, which was it was the last WWF show <coughs> that they did at the Boston Garden. It was. Um, I forget what it was called. It was like the farewell to the, it was just, it was a, they had legends there. Looking back at it, it wasn't really that great of a, of a card. I think uh, the roadie wrestled for the first time. It, I just remember it was the night before the first in your house event. And I got to okay. see like Diesel versus Sid before the match, um, before their pay-per-view match, which was seen at that point, it seemed kind of cool. I hadn't been to a TV taping yet, which was, I think, I went shortly after that, and that kind of blew my mind to where, you know, they were talking about what happened last week on the same night that uh, you saw a show, and I'm like, what? How does that work? And I'm like, oh, yeah, this is going to be airing next week. So so that segment that you just saw that they're talking about it in past tense was kind of weird to me. But that was my first, yeah, that was my first show. I went to it with my dad in the, the last show in the Boston Garden, which was which is kind of cool. So, so you said you st- sort of stopped watching after WrestleMania three and, and got back into it around WrestleMania five. But was there any other point where you completely stopped watching altogether from like WrestleMania five onwards? There was one year from uh, the last WrestleMania that I totally missed was WrestleMania nine. It was after some. That's a good one to miss. <laughs> that was a good one to miss. I liked. I actually went back and I watched. I liked the whole Roman theme of it, but the card totally stunk. But um, it was kind of cool that it was outdoors. But yeah, from I'd say SummerSlam '92 until like Survivor Series '93. Uh, I, I miss, uh, you know, I miss it. I, I kind of miss the Lex Express thing. Um, but then I got right back into it. I haven't really um, missed it. There's been times when I've, you know, just paid attention a little bit. Just, you know, I'd always check in for WrestleMania. I'd always check in for SummerSlam. Um, but that was that was really it. The one thing is that when I really got into wrestling again was 2017. Because for the longest time, I was just a WWE. You know, after ECW and WCW folded, mm-hmm. I was really just a WWF guy. And I'd check in on time to time. I'd always have Raw in the background. Um, sometimes I paid attention. Sometimes I, I didn't. Watch WrestleMania, watch SummerSlam. Uh, if there were events in the meantime, you know, free network that I wanted to watch, you know, I'd get those shows. Um, but I was kind of totally oblivious to wrestling that was happening outside of that time um, until about 2017. And uh, it's a pretty funny story. My brother, um, I, June of 2017, I had just had my daughter. Uh, it was June 13th. So 
my brother, in the meantime, the past six months, had been texting me and sending me messages on Facebook. But uh, shout out to my brother, who's also on the Fight Game podcast as well, um, Mike Fantasia. He got into New Japan. And I knew of New Japan, but I'd never seen a New Japan match. But six months before my daughter was born, he kept sending me these He's like, you've got to check out this match from Wrestle Kingdom. It's this guy, Kenny Omega versus uh, Kazuchika Okada. Match is awesome. Uh, you got to see it. And I'm like, yeah, 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 I don't have time. And so I texted them the day my daughter was born, um, the scheduled C-section, not that you guys need to know that, but went in and had my daughter text them. I'm like, hey, your uncle again. He said, congratulations. By the way, have, uh, have you checked out that match? The <laughs> from Wrestle Kingdom, I'm like, dude, I was just busy having it on. I have not had time to that match. He's like, well, if you have time, they just had another one at this uh, thing called Dominion, and it was an Iron Man match of like 60 minutes, and it was even better than the first time. And I'm like, Mike, you're unbelievable. So at some point, my my wife (laughs) take a break, and then they're asleep. My daughter's like next to my wife, and I'm like, you know what? Um, while I got some time on my hands, let me check out this friggin' match on my phone. So I'm sitting in my in the hospital room. Wife and my newborn daughter are sleeping, and my wife wakes up and she's like, "Hey, hey, can you uh, grab me a drink of water?" And I'm like, "Hold on for a second. I'm watching this fucking wrestling match on my phone, and it is the most amazing fucking thing I've ever seen in my life." She's like, <laughs> "Are you serious? You're you're sitting here watching?" wrestling from Japan on the day your daughter was born. I'm like, yeah, but this match is so great. Hold on for just a second. And <laughs> after that, I mean, I was friggin', you know, I'd had, a, I'd like had a week off for uh, paternity leave after that. And I'll tell you, my wife's like, Hey, keep it up the, uh, in, uh, you know, with our daughter so I can have a chance to leave. And I'm like, anything to bring her down and watch new Japan. I was so hooked at that point. It was crazy. So, that's uh, that's how I certainly got like into subscribing to the Observer again. I was an old school Observer guy when I was like in high school. Dropped that, but I didn't know a thing. I didn't know a thing about New Japan. I didn't know a thing about um, you know the indie wrestling. I didn't know. I knew a little about Ring of Honor. I'm like, I think that's where CM Punk came from. Yeah. No clue. It was like the world of wrestling was brand new to me again, and there was you know. Obviously, an innovation in podcasts, and that's where I like started um, listening to uh, Wrestling Observer Radio. And Garrett was on there; he was cool to interact on Facebook and the Fight Game Podcast group. And yeah, and you know, here I am talking about it. But that's that's when I became a like fan again, for sure. Like fully, fully into it. So, what do you watch? on a week-to-week basis now, wrestling-wise? I mean, New, New Japan, I, I take it you watch all the big shows they put on? Yeah, I watch the New Japan shows, as in, I certainly watch the big ones. Uh, I watch the smaller ones, you know, when I can. I just It's a time thing. Really now it becomes, for the most part, is in AEW. That's, that's what I watch, I'd say, 90% of the time. Um, I watched a little bit of the Dark Show. Um, 
Uh, I watch obviously all the live shows on you know on Wednesday. I'm glad it's coming back to Wednesdays finally. Um, but yeah, I watch a little bit of WWE here and there when I can. Um, although just watching watching Raw these days is is it's it's not fun. Uh, the pay per views, you know, if they have good matches, which they certainly capable of. I'm fine with that, but watching the weekend, week out, I, I, I just can't do it anymore. I feel like a lot of fans kind of feel that way as well, but as far you know, that's that's how I am right now. Well, I think not Hell in a Cell, but the one before, uh, which was uh, I think they called it WrestleMania Backlash. That was actually a really good show, and there was some really I, I don't know if you saw that show at all. I did see that. Yeah, it was a pretty good show. Yeah, um, there were some really great matches. I mean, the matches are always good because look at the talent they've got. But I think the most most people's problem with WWE is the storylines are so ridiculous, you know, and and uh, so inconsistent, you know, because obviously, whereas before they were they were great at long term storytelling and they would know who was going to be headlining WrestleMania a year from yeah you know, a year from the day sort of thing. Now it's like it could change at the drop of a hat. It can. Um, and that's what, you know, they just had that thing where the, uh, I forget the, the lady's name, but she was hired as a writer and went on a podcast and said, yeah. hey, you know, I didn't need to know anything about wrestling. I have no idea if there's Bob, uh, this dude, Bobby Lashley, but that's all I know about wrestling, which I think is kind of a disservice to the fans. I mean, Look, I get it that you want to do, out, you know, you can do outside-the-box thinking for sure, but, you know, when you have a primarily wrestling-based audience, having someone that knows nothing about wrestling and, you know, writing about it, I just don't know what their rationale is. And it's certainly evident in their, you know, the storytelling that they do and, just it's it's all over the map i don't think they know what they are at this point i think they've lost direction whether they're an entertainment company or they're a wrestling company or they're a mix of both or you know a social media company they're just so all over the place um which i think it would behoove them to just kind of stick to the basics even nxt i feel like has gotten to a certain point in their storytelling i used to like nxt Especially when it was just on the network and it, yep. stuck, you know, it was just an hour show, and I'm just like, I think everyone says they, that they stuck to the basics. They didn't dumb it down. They didn't make it too intricate, and they had freaking killer matches with killer talent all the time. And you know, once they started competing, you know, and doing two hours and trying to go live, and they lost, they lost a lot of that. And, as much as I liked NXT, it's like sometimes I even have a problem. I'm always there for the takeover shows, but even the takeover shows have not been as great as they once no, were. No, they haven't, no. Um, and it sucks to see guys like Matt Riddle and Ricochet who are just... They're on the main shows now, but it's like, what are they doing? You know, these are guys that were putting on five-star matches. I mean, Riddle versus. Well, I, I, I don't know because I mean, RK Bro might might be the best thing going in on. No, on that's, right. <laughs> that's that's true. But again, I haven't seen a, I haven't seen a lot of that, so I got to tune in. No, I'm not that. either. I don't. I don't watch 
raw. But, but if I see that, yeah, Randy and and um, and Matt Riddle have done a segment, I'll, I'll probably check it out because I know they've they've got because Riddle. I mean, you're absolutely right. Riddle is so good, and you put him in there with pretty much anyone who's going to have a killer match. You know, I love I mean, to see yeah. it. Sorry, go he had a great match with uh, Velveteen Dream uh, like a year and a half or two years yeah, ago. Yeah, I think Dream enough. went over on him, but it was a freaking yeah. awesome match. Yeah, but I mean, and, and Keith Lee. I mean, I, I I don't even know what the status is with Keith Lee right now. But I mean, he he was a guy that seemed can't miss, you know. But they, they just seemed to. I don't know. They, they, they don't know how to make stars anymore. Uh, I, I I made the um, I mentioned Nakamura several times in, in on previous shows but if you look at the pop that nakamura got when he first came up from the, from nxt to the main roster you know and this is a guy that's his 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 entrance was so over and even though his music had no lyrics everyone was singing his theme you know they were so into him but you know by, by the time it got to wrestlemania he had the match of aj which was really disappointing it, it was it was not the kind of match they they could have had and then they take the music away from him, they change it, they turn him heel, basically change everything that was good about him. Yeah, yeah. it made no sense. They put on a terribly boring match. I, I think I literally fell asleep during that match, and I was looking <laughs> so forward to that match. Yeah. But the show was so long, and you're right, that they can't... I mean, you know, I went to um, a house show a couple of years ago, uh, WWE, I want to say 2019, and it was the last I think run of house shows that John Cena had come back for. Mm-hmm. And honestly, like I have more appreciation now for John Cena as to when he was wrestling, because that guy was a legit star. And if you ask a bunch of kids that are in their twenties now, that were, you know, super wrestling fans, you know, 15 to 10 years ago, John Cena was the guy that, this is a guy that, you know, if he came back for SummerSlam, I think they'd tune in, but I mean, it's, you know, that was, that was really legit the last big star that they had that kind of transcended, you know, wrestling. People, everyone knew who John Cena was, like him or love him, that's better, but kids, for sure, for sure, loved him. Um, and the place went absolutely bonkers when he came out. And this is in Fort Myers, Florida. It's not a big arena. It's maybe 5,000 people. But he was really the last star that they had. And I feel like Rome Reigns, I liked his new direction, but I I still don't think he's there. I don't know what it is. I think it's just that there's an it factor that these guys need to have. And I don't know if you can... You can certainly help create that, but I think forcing it down fans' throats early on in his career... It was more of a disservice hmm. than uh, than anything for right now, and I'm not sure who else on the roster right now that they can. That's the next John Cena, or the next. You know, I don't know if they have one. Honestly, no, I, I don't see it. I don't see where the new stars are, are coming from because even the guys are getting behind like Drew and and Lashley. I mean, they're not spring chickens. I mean, they're they're into their sort of mid to late thirties. And even Drew, who I think's done a great job, you know, I, I, I still don't look at Drew McIntyre and think, well, that guy's a star. In, in the same way that you look at John Cena, and even John Cena, obviously, would never look at him the same level as like an Austin or a Rock. But that's a different era. I mean, it's not fair to compare eras, I don't think. And, and the Attitude Era was such a big time in wrestling. 
and John Cena sort of came after that when the business wasn't quite so hot. But yeah, John Cena definitely has that it factor, which is sadly lacking in a lot of today's WWE talent, even even the guy like Roman, as you say. But anyway, we're going off a bit of a tangent. Let's let's return to these questions, and and this is the uh, rapid fire segment now, which isn't rapid fire at all, really. If you listen to the previous podcast, but uh, favorite wrestler of all time, who would you uh, who would you go for for that? Man, you know what? My heart wants to say Ric Flair, but the truth is, it's Shawn Michaels. He was <clears throat> he was my guy for you know for a good part of my teenage years during his career. Shawn Michaels, much you know, I love Flair, uh, love a lot of the new guys like Omega, but HBK is is and always will be like my first my first love. So totally Shawn Michaels. I want should have gotten to. Uh, I had tickets to go to WrestleMania 12. My dad was going to let me go with my friends, but then I went out and got drunk in high school, and then my dad <laughs> told me no more WrestleMania. My friends got to go, but I didn't go. I sold the ticket stub that's been unused, unfortunately, but I was in, I was supposed to be there for HBK versus Brett, but I said But do you, think, do you think you would have enjoyed that match, though? At the time, I no. Uh, looking at it a lot, you know, I remember watching it on pay per view. More pissed that I wasn't there, but it was, yeah, it was a long match. I uh, I would have enjoyed him coming down and everything, and winning the belt and everything else. But for the sixty minutes, probably not. No. If the next, if the answer to the next question is not a Shawn Michaels match, I want to also want to know what your favorite Shawn Michaels match is. But favorite match of all time, what would you uh, go for for that? My favorite match—it's not a Shawn Michaels match. It's okay, okay, uh, Omega Okada Four. It's the best match I've ever seen in my life. Um, and I used to say, you know, Shawn Michaels is the best wrestler ever that walked the earth. But I think, you know, at this point, I'd say Kenny Omega. Is and certainly Okada are, are better than Shawn Michaels was in his prime, for sure. Um, my favorite Shawn Michaels match of all time is uh, WrestleMania 25, him versus Undertaker. That was a match that I yeah. was freaking totally going crazy for. Still can't believe it didn't get five stars from Dave. Huge <laughs> problem with that. Don't know, what, don't know what he was thinking, and he still defends it to this day, but it's neither here nor there. And, well, yeah, uh, because he fit, gave he gave the Hell in a Cell match they had, uh, the very first Hell in a Cell back in 97, he gave that five stars, didn't he? He did, yeah. And there's no way that the match at WrestleMania 25 was not better than the Hell in a Cell match. And I, I love the Hell in a Cell match. Probably, probably still the best Hell in a Cell they've ever done. But no, I, I, WrestleMania 25, how is that not five stars? I mean, you, you could even argue 26 was a five-star match. Yeah, there's people that say, you know, 26 is a better match. I don't think it is, but um, there's still a great match. But, yeah, you can totally say. But, I, um, you know, I know what what a good five-star match is, you know, getting jumping up and down and acting like a crazy person. And that was freaking five stars as far as I'm concerned. But I totally agree that Omega Okada was seven stars. I remember I was – I don't go on the boards a lot, but I was on the boards for that match tonight. I said at the time, I'm like, this is if he's ever going to give a seven star match, it's Okada, Okada Omega Four. And my favorite tag match um, of all time, because one of the things that I 
do you watch, going back to the previous question, was um, I've gone back and I've watched a lot of All Japan during the 90s. And that is crazy hard-hitting stuff, which I love. I mean, that was, uh, what do you call that, working stiff? Because holy moly, did they... <laughs> Did those guys freaking kill themselves? And it was uh, Kobayashi and uh, Kikuichi versus uh, uh, Crawford and Furnace. It was from '92. It was match of the year, but that is still the hardest hitting, awesome tag match that I've ever seen. I love that match. What did you make of the uh, Omega and, and Jungle Boy match on, on Dynamite the other night? I thought it was a really good match. Um, was it the best match I've ever seen? No, but I mean, I, for what it was, I really, I thought Jungle Boy was really good in it. I thought Omega was great in his role. It didn't have a lot of run-ins. Uh, it was kind of everything I wanted it to be. Um, and, it, you know, I knew that, I think they're doing Jungle Boy the right way because he's yeah. certainly not ready to be like a top guy yet, but he's definitely, you know, guys like MJF who, I love and badly wants to be champion one of these days, but I think it's kind of a slow burn for both of them on their way to the top, which, looking at it, you know, that's the right thing to do. Well, Jungle Boy, I mean, obviously he came up short against Darby uh, for the TNT title. Now he's come up against uh, come up short against um, Kenny. He's going to have to win a big one at some point, and, and maybe, maybe it should be Miro for the, for the TNT title at some point. I think that would be a really good idea. I think that he's kind of taking on the scrappy underdog role um, really well, um, and I'd like to see you know I'd like to see him and uh, his tag partner there feud at some point, which I think would be good for his uh, yeah, his career as a face going forward. Yeah, that'd be great because Luchasaurus is a guy I could do more with. I think. Yeah, absolutely. They know each other well and. You know, I don't remember recently in wrestling, and maybe I'm wrong, but, you know, the tag team breakups used to be, like, an integral part of, you oh, know, wow. uh, creating singles. Yeah, what was and the I last... Yeah, what was the last really big one? I, I can't really think of one in recent in recent memory. Um, I mean, Kenny... I mean, even Kenny and Hangman never really got, like, a big breakup, did they, really, when you think about it? No, they didn't. No, they did not have, like, a heel turn. I don't... I honestly don't remember. I have to go back to like mid '90s when you know, like Shawn Michaels and you know uh, Marty Jannetty, or but I don't even remember the last the last ones before that. It's been a long time, and it's something that's like sorely missed. That's a pretty easy thing to do. There must be some. There must be an obvious one we're we're we're, we're not remembering. There, to there totally is. There but totally I can't. Is. I can't think off the top of my head right now. But. Uh... If, if one comes to me, I might just randomly blurt it out before the end of the podcast. But, um, yeah, absolutely. The best show you've ever attended live, uh, what would you uh, choose for that? I, went to, I was lucky enough to go to the G1 in Dallas a couple of years ago. Oh, nice. Um, and I had... I was dying for... You know, I was, like, patiently waiting on the Ticketmaster thing for these... You know, it was the one show that I'm like, I can travel for this show. My brother and I went... We ended up getting, like, third row awesome tickets. But that show, even though it was, it was a smaller crowd, if you remember watching it, 
It, it was in the Bay Area, you know, the arena that the Mavericks and uh, the Dallas Stars played, and it was maybe the lower bowl that was filled and top, maybe part of the top half. I'd say not even less than fifty percent of the arena capacity. But the sh- the atmosphere of the show, of, you know, hardcore New Japan fans was something that is hard to replace because there was just an energy and people that really loved uh, New Japan. And then they got to see guys like Osprey up close and they had the, you know, it was a Tanahashi, it was the only Tanahashi versus Okada match on U.S. soil. And I doubt, I, I don't know if they'll have another one anytime soon. Um, and just being able to see that live was, was really amazing. Have you ever been to a WrestleMania? I have not been to a WrestleMania. I should have been there. Should have been at WrestleMania 12, yeah. <laughs> but but I wasn't. I'd like to try to go for the Dallas one. If not, then, but I have never been able to make it to a WrestleMania show. That's the one thing that, and I met a lot of people that, at the um, New Japan show that travel a lot for you know to see shows, and they said even if you don't like like the cards week or whatever but there's you know going to a wrestlemania live is something that you need to do so it's definitely something that's on my bucket list yes on mine too i've never been to i've never been to wrestlemania i would love to i'd love to go to one um the final question i ask everyone is left or last because in in some respects it's the hardest one in to answer because there's so many different ways you can go with, with this but if you could change one thing about the business of wrestling, what would it be? So is there one thing that uh, jumps out at you as, as, man, I wish you know I could really change that? Honestly, the, and you're right, I thought a lot about it, but from a business perspective, I think the wrestlers should be able to form their own unions. I think it's totally bullshit that, you know, these guys, and look, I get a lot of people say, you know, well, they're paid well, et cetera, et cetera, but it's like they have to pay for their own health care, they have to pay for their own lodging, they're putting their body on the lines. You know, I don't think they're, you know, WWE or wrestling companies, and I don't think AEW has is letting anyone unionize either. I think they're still working under the same independent contractors, so... I mean, they're not match, you know, doing 401k matching. It's basically you have to fend for yourself, and I think that's total nonsense. I think these guys should have a union. I think there should be at least some sort of, you know, minimal pay and a health care system and a retirement system provided for them with the amount of income that these companies earn. And the fact that they're not allowed to, um, it's nonsense. I would totally change it so that these guys could unionize. And if there's another thing, it would be getting rid of the cartoonish aspect of it, especially in WWE recently. Because there are some things that I see, and sometimes I, you know, I'm in sales, so I talk to a lot of people, and I, you know, if I say, hey, I'm a wrestling fan, everyone assumes that I'm watching, you know, WWE cartoonish garbage. And I can't argue against that point, because it's kind of what it's become. So I wish that you would kind of get back to a style where it's, I'm not embarrassed going out and being like, no, I love professional wrestling, totally love it, without being thought of as, you know, some big dummy that, you know, likes that crap. So you kind of wish um, that the, the WWE didn't have such a monopoly on the business, which I think is, it is gradually changing. I think AEW is growing a lot faster than most people thought it would. 
uh, but obviously it's still got a long way to go but yeah I mean for, for a long time you know even when WCW was around it, it, it just kind of felt that the WWE or WWF as it was then um, just had like I say such a monopoly on the business and everyone just when they thought of wrestling that, that's what they thought it was wasn't it was this sort of cartoonish style yeah uh, and obviously people aren't aware of like New Japan either and and yeah, I just wish people would know more because, yeah, I mean, people are so close-minded to wrestling, aren't they? They've got sort of such a preconceived idea of what it is, and it, it kind of makes you maybe not embarrassed to say you're a wrestling fan, but perhaps not one of those things you want to bring up too often. No, that's true. I mean, people know The Rock in Austin. A lot of people lost interest after that. And my brother, and you know, um, my brother-in-law who knows, you know, when I'm like, hey, I like wrestling, and he's like, oh man, like Ultimate Warrior, and I had to, you know, I, I actually finally showed him some New Japan matches. And he's like, oh my god, I had no idea they had this style of wrestling. That's amazing, and it was totally understood why, why I liked it, because um, it's more of you know, athletics, and it's real, and it still presents itself kind of as a real, you know combat uh, combat type sport without you know making fun of itself too much um but yeah most people have no idea um about that they just assume you know it's uh, hogan and rock and austin and that's about all they know do you think that uh when it comes to WWE, a lot of people think it'll be it'll be better once perhaps once vince is gone uh do you do you share that opinion as well or you know do you think that uh that's not a fair thing to say. No, I think I do share that opinion. I, um, you know, he uh, obviously the guy brought. You know, he's a great businessman um, for sure, and I think he caught lightning in a bottle uh, with the attitude, and everything. Um, but as far as the product now, uh, I definitely think that once he goes, and maybe someone like Triple H. Who did a really great job with NXT um, is going to have a lot and hopefully take the company in a different direction at that point. But then again, are they, you know, are they going to sell it to Disney? Who knows? Um, but I think I think it's going to definitely head in a better direction once Vince gets out of the picture because he's not getting any younger. Every time I read, you know, I see. Dave tweets something that's about that he's ripping up scripts and rewriting it the next the same day. I'm just like, here's a show that I'm not going to be interested in watching at all. So you know, once they get a once they get a clear vision as to where they want to be, and I think because of Vince's you know advanced age, that's something that they don't know of right now. Um, where they're going to be in the year five years from now. But once that happens, I think they should be able to have a clear vision of so what they want to do, where they want to be, and how they want to go. So I do, I do share that opinion. Do you think that Triple H despairs as we do when he sees like Nakamura come up to the main roster, as I mentioned earlier? Or to give a more uh, recent example, Shayna Baszler. When he looks at how Shayna Baszler's been presented on the main roster, do you think that he despairs like we do as fans? I think so. I think there's definitely, I mean, if it was me, it would definitely be a cringe factor. Um, I mean, Baszler was awesome in NXT. They should have had her versus Asuka for, the, you know, the queen of NXT at some point, but they never did that because they were both like, I want to say they were undefeated, but 
But yeah. yeah, now that they're, you know, it's. I think there's definitely a cringe factor. Like, look at what I did, and look at what you made those became. I had them ready to be stars, and now they're just a bunch of jokes and doing stupid vignettes on the side, and you know, play hanging the cater, you know, with, with ricochet and stuff. So. I definitely think there's a cringe factor at that point. I would certainly be that way if I was Triple H. Ryan, we could we could talk all night, I'm sure. Uh, it's been a pleasure to have you on. And um, yeah, any particular reason why you you've never sort of done podcasts before? Don't. Uh, I just I don't know. I like listening to them, but I just haven't had the time. Work, two kids. Um. But I'd be more than happy to do it again. I appreciate you having me on for my first one. Uh, certainly like talking with you, and um, I appreciate it. So, so have, you, have you got the itch to do more now, then? <laughs> a little bit, but uh, for right now, maybe I'll uh, maybe I'll start a Man City podcast and see if we win Champions League. <laughs> <laughs> that's the that's the one thing that I think. Pep has to do now. He's, he's won everything else with Man City, so th- that's the one trophy that's eluded him so far. It was yeah. man, that was a that was a tough game to to swallow. I don't, you know, I didn't mind losing to Chelsea because they have uh, Polacic, who's a you know his first U.S. player to win Champions League. So uh, I guess if you're going to lose, that was the way to do it. But yeah, that was rough getting all the way. You know, it was nice. at least we got there though. That's the first step. It took Chelsea a while to win their first one. They lost uh, one or two before they they got to the finish line. Yeah, it took Man United a while before they they finally won one back. I think I think ninety nine uh, was the first time they had won it um, under you know, under under Alex Ferguson. Uh, but um, yeah. the final question, I'll ask you one more question then, and, and it, it'll be a football one again. But um, obviously with the Euros going on at the moment, who do you think is going to win? Who 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 who's your money on to win the Euros? I would say right now the way uh, Italy's been playing, they're like damn good in all assets of the game. I'm... Offense, defense, um, they you know, goaltending. They just they and I didn't think they were gonna. Were they the favorites? No, but um, I'd say right they're the most complete team right now for sure. Absolutely, obviously they're playing Belgium in the next round and, and Belgium are the number one ranked team but yeah from what I've seen of Belgium I mean, they, they've been good here or there but they haven't really blown me away I mean Italy are the only really Italy are the only team that have really impressed me all the way around I mean there, there's been spells here and there for other teams but Italy have been the most impressive by far so they uh, have and Man- you know Mancini is an ex-city manager plus right, management yeah. Plus, the dude's an impeccable dresser, the best dress manager in all of football. Comes out looking fly in Giorgio Armani and everything. So, I, my money would be on uh, Italy, but, you know, I, uh, I, there's a part of my heart, that too, that wants, you know, England to finally get over the hump. It's been a long time since they won. I think 1966 was the World yep. Cup was the last big one they won. So, yeah. I think they've got a good chance playing Ukraine, but you never know. The last time we beat Germany in a major tournament was the final in 1966 of the World Cup. So, yeah, I mean, and, and Ukraine, like you said, in the next round, that should be on paper. You know, that should be a game we could win. But then again, there's been quite a few upsets, especially in this last, in, in this second round, there's been so many upsets of underdogs winning. I mean, Ukraine were not favourites to beat Sweden at all prior to that game. Yeah. And then there's been several others, obviously Switzerland beating France. And yeah, there's been several 
upsets if you like I mean England beating Germany I suppose would be considered an upset so yeah it'll be interesting to see how this tournament uh, pans out but it's been a really great tournament to watch hasn't it it has. It's been super fun, and you never count. You can't count Denmark, man. They're playing for Christensen, and you can't. You know that's one of those things you can't account for. They got they have a lot of heart, and they're going to be playing until you know un, until their legs come off if they have to. And of course, their goalkeeper is Casper uh, Schmeichel, and his dad, Peter Schmeichel, lifted that trophy with Denmark back in uh, 1992. Yeah, that's true. Actually, yeah. good player. You never know. But anyway, um, enough about that because I'm sure most of the listeners don't know the first thing about uh, soccer, as they would call it. But uh, Ryan, uh, thanks a lot for coming on. And, and as I say to every guest, I mean, this podcast has a relatively short shelf life. That I run out of guests eventually. And I'm sure I'll do more podcasts in the future. I don't know what those podcasts will entail. Uh, but whatever they do entail, I'd love to have you back on. All right. I appreciate it, David. Thank you. Okay, so for Ryan, I'm David. Thank you for listening and do join me again for another episode of How I Caught the Wrestling Bug podcast.